0: Good evening Family Church Waterside, it's so good to be back on our weekly Sunday night local broadcast. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing the word with you tonight um, and I'm believing that you're going to walk away with a greater understanding of the verses that we're going to be discussing um, and that the Holy Spirit is going to show you how to apply them to your life. So um, first, before we start, it's always a good idea to pray, so let's just pray to our Father in Heaven. So close your eyes, get into an attitude of prayer and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you hear us and that you always hear us. God, we just pray that tonight you would just speak into our lives. I pray you would just use my words tonight to speak into the lives of everyone listening and that you would just show them um, how you want them to apply these words and these verses to their lives. God, I pray you would just um, uh, individually let everyone know that they're loved and um, and that you care for them. God, I pray that people would have revelation of you and your word tonight. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay. So for the past few weeks, um, the topic for Sunday Night Local has been the Believer's Toolbox. um, And Pastor Paul has been expanding on um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, That's what the the whole topic is about, the the Believer's Toolbox. So tonight I'm gonna be concluding the series. um, But first, um, let's quickly remind ourselves of um, what's been said in previous weeks, um, because that's gonna help us sort of further explore what I'm then gonna speak about tonight. So the first week, we heard about how everything we have as believers Um, is a result of God's amazing grace towards us. Um, We can't earn anything by struggling and toiling, but we must instead learn to rely on God's God's amazing grace. Um, We don't deserve it, but it's given to us by our generous Father in heaven, right? And that's the definition of grace, something that's not deserved, but given anyway. So I think it's so key to remind ourselves of this fact that we can't earn it, it's given by grace, right? Um, Because it can be so easy to slip into this mindset of, I've got to work hard to receive, to become worthy of getting it from God, right? But this is a wrong and even dangerous mindset in some some cases. Um, It's by grace alone that we're saved and that we receive from God, right? It's not by our own striving. So it's good to remind ourselves of that. Um, As Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 30, um, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God gives because it's his pleasure as a father to do so, not because he like, he's like some employer giving, our, giving us our due, our wages, what we've earned. He's a good father who loves giving to his kids, right? Um, so that's just focus on that, think about that, digest that. So the next week we then um, heard how one of the ways the grace of God um, is manifested in our lives is with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and the Holy Spirit is also called the spirit of grace in the Bible. Um, and in in his grace he gives us these precious gifts right these gifts of the spirit Um, And these are tools that we can use to further um, advance God's kingdom um, and his glory, right? And these tools are given by the Holy Spirit to equip us as we need them. And they're available to all believers at all times. That's the wonderful thing about the gifts, right? And that's not to say we can demand from God um, the the use of them or that I can choose to use one whenever I want. But rather, the Holy Spirit is able to make each one, um, each gift available to every believer as he sees fit. Um, They are his gifts of grace, right? They're his gifts to give, and he gives them generously to us as we need them. So we can absolutely ask for certain gifts. Um, and we're in fact told in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 31 to earnestly desire the best gifts, right, to seek after them. So and then for the last three weeks, um, we have heard from Pastor Paul an explanation of these gifts, of each of the gifts. So we broke these were broken down into three categories. The first um, was the revelation gifts, and these were of Words of wisdom, words of knowledge and the discerning of spirits, right? Then the second group, that's the um, second week, was the utterance gifts. And that's of prophecy, of tongues and of the interpretation of tongues. And then the third um, the third week, or last week, was the power gifts. And that was of faith, of healings and of miracles, right? So all amazing gifts given by the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't seen any of the Sunday Night Locals um, in this series prior to this one, um, I'd really encourage you to go back and watch those. Um, I know they'll help you to understand the scripture, um, the scriptures around these, the, um, the gifts um, and, the, and the amazing gifts of grace themselves, right? So they're certainly worth a watch, go back and watch those. Um, but then, since we've now looked at all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you might be wondering what I'm doing here tonight. Um, and tonight, I'm actually going to be finishing up the series on the Believer's Toolbox by looking at some key final words of the Apostle Paul, Um, written at the end of chapter 12 um, and it's into chapter 13 through chapter 13 of 1st Corinthians. So if you're watching this later in the week, not live, um, I'd really encourage you to pause here and go read chapters 12 and 13 of 1st Corinthians um, so you can sort of orient yourself. um, It helps you to understand what we're looking at now and have heard in the last few weeks um, and how it all fits together. Uh, I always find it easier to digest sermons um, uh, to follow them um, if I can read through all of the verses discussed um, and the wider context of them it just helps put everything in place in your head so yeah if you're watching go feel free to go back and watch those now um, okay so let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 12 verse 31 so that's the last verse of chapter 12 of 1st Corinthians so um, the context here um, which is why you're finding it um, the context, and it, by the way, it's always really, really important to look at the context for a given verse, um, so that you can correctly interpret it. And actually, we've just been chatting about that in Momentum a couple of weeks ago. We we're talking about how we need to use context when we're reading scripture. So the context of these verses um, that we've been hearing from in the last few weeks, um, it, it, or the context of tonight's this scripture that we're looking at now, rather, um, is the is the verses that we've heard from in the last few weeks, um, talking about the actual gifts given by the spirit um, and then the famous verses on how there's one body with many parts, right? And that we shouldn't think poorly of someone or even ourselves um, because we have different giftings at various times, right? And that's the context for this verse, this verse, um, verse 31. Um, So then it says in verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, right? And then it goes on to the next paragraph. And I will show you still a more excellent way and that's the part we're going to be focusing on tonight, this more excellent way. Um, so the Apostle here, the Apostle Paul here, is then essentially saying these gifts are excellent. These gifts that we've heard about, the gifts of the Spirit are excellent, and we should absolutely desire them. But I'm about to tell you about something, and I think it's important to note what the Apostle Paul here isn't saying. Um, and he's not saying then that this even more excellent way Um, is to come at the expense of, or instead of, the gifts of the spirit that he's just been laying out, right? He's not saying do this instead of that. He's saying this is a a more excellent way which you can do on top of, right? So um, we can imagine that he's sort of pointing out that these gifts um, are wonderful and good and excellent, um, but there's something even more excellent available on top of these things that we should be seeking. So remember the context here is that Paul has just spoken about different people being called in different ways, right? And about having and using different gifts, Um, So then this next part then comes off the back of that. Um, And so we can imagine Paul is sort of saying, look, not everyone is going to be constantly using all of these different gifts at the same time. They're going to be people are going to be given different gifts at different times as the spirit sees fit. But here is a way of showing your passion, your zeal, your desire to glorify God um, that all can and should use at the same time. Right. And that way is even more excellent. So what is this more excellent way? What could possibly be more excellent than the gifts of the spirit? And well, if you turn over with me to, chap- to 1 Corinthians chapter um, uh, 13, verse 1, um, we'll see exactly what this way is. Um, and that's the very next verse following the one that we've just looked at. So it's the, the first verse of 1 Corinthians 13. And it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And so we see that the more excellent way that Paul is talking about is love, right? And in fact, if we read um the whole first kind of part of one Corinthians thirteen in full, um through to verse three, so um one Corinthians thirteen, verse one to three, Um, we see that it says if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love I am nothing if I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned but have not love I gain nothing so what do these verses mean what do they teach us they teach us that love is key if we take these verses seriously, um, as we should, of course, we'll see how important love truly is. I and mean, it can be really easy to think that Paul here is hyperbolizing, he's, he's exaggerating, he's kind of making, he's, he's making a really big claim to kind of emphasize his point. Um, he's just trying to teach that love generally is quite important, right? But when we truly look at these words as written um, and as intended by Paul, um, we see that Paul explains that without love, all of these good things amount to nothing. Right? And again, that's not an exaggeration. He says that he could have prophetic powers. He could have great wisdom and knowledge. He could have all the faith in the world so as to move mountains, which is the greatest kind of faith as described by Jesus. But if he doesn't have love, then it amounts to nothing. Right? Nothing. We, we, see that, we see that Paul compares the love in these scriptures. Um, to other things, to, the, to these other things, right? And these other things are actually the gifts of the Spirit, right? He, he's th- he speaks about in the previous chapter. He says, if I have the tongues of angels and of men, he says, if I can prophesy, if I, can, if I have all wisdom and knowledge, and if I have all faith, um, those are the gifts of the Spirit that have been named. Um, or some of them, it's not the exhaustive list. Um, but this paints for us then the motivation for which we should be using the gifts, Right? So we shouldn't seek to glorify ourselves we shouldn't be using the gifts to show off or to make ourselves look good right and i mean why would we right we already know that they're gifts right that they're of grace they're not wages owed to us for our good work right and in the same way that salvation is a free gift of god uh, a free gift of grace from god um so that no one can boast right these gifts these gifts are given by the spirit as he sees fit right and this means that we ultimately have no reason to boast or to try and show off because it's just a gift Right. And we know that God has like is, is can give anything. He's the he's God. Right. So it's not like he's it's not like, oh, my God is richer than your God. Like it's the same God and he can give whatever he wants to anyone. So we have no reason to boast. Right. Um, so we see here that love is the highest pursuit and should be our central motivation. We can seek and desire and cherish the gifts of the spirit. Um, And we should. They're wonderful tools given to us. Right. Um, And I certainly don't ever want to dismiss or treat without gratitude um, anything that's given as a gift of God. Right. But why do we seek them? Uh, And do we seek them at the expense of cultivating the virtue of love? If this more excellent way um, is love, then I certainly don't want to forget this more excellent way. Um, in order to pursue something else, right? I also definitely don't want to go on um, about using these gifts uh, for the wrong reasons, right? When the reason should clearly be love, right? Both of God, um, God himself, the giver of gifts, um, and of others, which glorifies God and ultimately stems from a love of him. So we can't ever truly love people in the way that God calls us to love them um, if we're in the way that we're commanded to, without loving God, right? We can't ever truly love people the way that we're commanded to if we don't love God. Um, so I definitely don't want to go around using what God has given me for a purpose that God never intended, um, and that's true in every area of my life, um, and you know, not only relating to the gifts of the Spirit. So you probably know in theory that you could do the right thing, but for the wrong reasons, right? And that, you know, that's something that's like a I think I've heard that phrase quite a lot before in my life, like right thing, wrong reasons um but think about that a little bit more right focus on that it means that you can perform good and virtuous acts things that are good things that are moral godly right these good acts these good deeds we can perform those um but for the wrong reason the completely wrong reason right and we see that in these verses we read through that if i give away all that i have and i deliver up my body to be burned but have not love i gain nothing Right? And think about think about that with me for just a minute. You can give away everything that you have to the poor and the needy. You can give away all of your earthly possessions to those that, that, that the, 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 to the poor, to the needy, to the homeless. You can give everything you own away. But if you didn't do it because of love, then it gains you nothing. Right? It, it doesn't ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. I mean, you've done a good thing, but it doesn't really matter. Like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't gain you anything. It doesn't. It doesn't profit your soul. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't store up treasure in heaven for you. It doesn't do any of these things because you've because you didn't do it for the right reasons, right? Here, Paul is saying that the central motivation should be love. So, if you gave away all of your earthly possessions because you felt a duty to, um, or you wanted to gain recognition, um, or, then it doesn't gain you anything, right? Um, it's not so much the wrong motive that specifically gains nothing it's actually the absence of love right you know whatever the wrong motive is if it's not love it's the wrong motive so the absence of love is the key here so love is required as the motive you can even according to paul he says you can give your life in martyrdom right you can offer up your body to be burned Um, and you know there's 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 some evidence that this was considered like one of the worst ways to go at the time. Um, And I mean, certainly, I think it's one of the worst ways to go now, right? To be burned at the stake, alive. Um, And and, you know, you can do that as a form of, um, uh, you know, in martyrdom. But if you don't love God, if you're not doing it for love of God, for love of Jesus, for the one who saved your soul, then what was it for, right? I'm sure historically, people have chosen martyrdom for the wrong motive. I'm sure it's happened before. Perhaps they trusted in their sacrifice as the way to get to heaven, Um, And not the atoning death of Jesus. Right. Perhaps they took that. That was the reason they did. They thought that would get them into the heaven. Perhaps they wanted the glory of being martyred. They wanted glory from being from being killed for their faith um, and and their name remembered for years to come. I don't know what their motives were. Right. Um, And I don't know what your motives for doing good works are. Only you do. Right. So examine yourself, examine your motives, ensure that when you give to the needy or to charity, when you serve on team at church, when you go home and you wash the dishes for your spouse, when you go home and you cook dinner for your family after a hard day at work, that you're motivated by love, right? And not by fear or judgment or anger, not by necessity. Um, Even if the task is a necessity, don't let that be the motivation. Let love be the motivation. And and don't let perceived obligation or duty be, be the motive, right? So when you're using the gifts that have been given to you and um, that we've learned so much about over the past few weeks, check your motive to make sure that it's love. Right. The love that should motivate us is first and foremost, the love of God. Right. Which drives our godly love for one another. So, the, uh, you know, that, the, as I said a bit, little bit earlier, um, in loving God, uh, that enables us to then love others as we're called to do. It's, we can't love other people in the same way that we're called to love them without first loving God. So I think one motivation that often drives people, um, even without them realizing really, is this desire to get recognition for good deeds um, or to be seen as godly or kind or good, right? But Philippians 2 verse 3 tells us, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So check your motives when you do good deeds, right? That appear godly and selfless. you know, these can be, like I say, they're good deeds. They're not bad deeds. They're good deeds and they appear godly and selfless. But are you truly acting in love? Are you valuing others um, above yourself, more significant than yourself? Um, Or or are your actions um, from a place of selfish ambition and conceit, right, desiring to appear godly? Are you doing it because you want to seem like you're doing the right thing rather than because you want to do the right thing out of love for God and for your fellow person, whoever that is? Are you serving God with your gifts? Are you serving the, the church and the lost with your gifts? Um, or are you serving yourself, right? Desiring to appear holy and righteous and godly, right? By like, sort of, look at me, I'm using these gifts. Or are you doing it because you love God, you love the church, you love the lost, right? What's the motivation? Man might look at the outward appearance, but we know that God looks at the heart. He sees our heart. he sees our desires, he sees what motivates and drives us, right? and It should be love. So if you do see that there's an area of your life where your motivation isn't love, by no means give up doing that action if it's a godly one. Rather ask that the Holy Spirit would help your motivation change, right? If the action is right but the motive is wrong, then certainly don't give up on the action, rather allow the Holy Spirit to change the motive, right? So ask the Holy Spirit to show you an area of your life um, where you've got the wrong motivation um, and ask for his help in making love your central motive in all things, right? Remember that one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? And after you've asked the Holy Spirit to change your motive, don't just then ignore the fact that you've asked Um, kind of move on and just forget about it right but continue to be aware of what your motive is continue to be perceiving like why am i doing this ask yourself why am i doing this is it love and if it's not then continue to ask the holy spirit to bring your motivation into alignment with his will right um and then don't stubbornly work against the holy spirit um and what he wants to do but rather allow your motive to be changed right work with the holy spirit not against him so i think Now, at this point, would be a really good time to zoom in on this word love, right? Because it's really important to understand our terms um, before we further examine the verses that are ahead. Um, We've seen how important love is, right? Um, We need to know exactly what it is before we can see where it is in our lives and where it isn't as present. right? We need to actually know what we're talking about. So we we can look at the Greek here, which is what the New Testament was written in, um, or the vast majority of it. Um, The Greek word used here is agape, right? And you, you may have heard that word before. Um, this word for love is found in the New Testament a lot, right? It's the, I think it's like the, it's, a, it's the godly love that's described in the New Testament. So the Greeks had multiple words for love. Um, they had eros for romantic love, they had philia for brotherly, brotherly love, and these are used in um, the New Testament as well. Um, but I think when we understand this agape love, the meaning, we can see why this agape love is very different from all these other types of love right and so the meaning of the word agape in the greek is a godly unconditional self-sacrificial love right it's a love that is active it's, a, it's not a passive love that just is a, like an emotion it's an active love it's a it's a love that drives you to to, to do stuff to, to it motivates you right it's an act of the will rather than a fleeting emotion it's known by its moral quality and strong character right and that's the description of love um sort of collected from various places from this agape love so this agape love is god's love towards us this is how god loves us right god loves us in this way that he sent his only son to become the sacrifice for our sins right so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life um that's the agape love of god right this is a self-giving love it gave he gave of himself in sending his son to die for us it's a love that we don't deserve and that we haven't earned, right? We haven't done anything. We, haven't, we, there's, we, we were enemies of God, right? We, we didn't deserve this love, but he loved us anyway. It's a part of God's very nature. It's so key to who God is. In fact, in 1 John 4 verse 8, that's 1 John 4 verse 8, um, John, the author of 1 John, <laughs> goes so far as to say that God is love. He's not just loving. He is love itself. Right. And that that's not to slip into like a new age ideology or like pantheism saying that when we show love, then we become gods or that the love we have for each other is God, that our love kind of is God and God is present when we love. Like, that's kind of not what we're trying to say here. What we're saying is that his love is so fundamental to God's character and his nature that he it's so he's perfectly captures what love is, that that he is love. Right. God is not merely loving, though, of course, he is loving. But his very essence is love. And, and that love is agape love, right? Is this love that we're called to show one another and to God. So we see this type of love is beyond what we might show to our friends or to our family, right? That would be um, eros or philia, right? But this agape love is above and beyond. Um, it's instead a divine and unconditional love, a, a heavenly, godly love. The next segment of First Corinthians 13, so we looked at the first little part, um, the next segment kind of explores some of the characteristics of this love, right? Which is really useful. Um, that this this love that God embodies um, and that we are to show to God and to others. Um, so if you've ever attended a wedding, you'll no doubt have heard these verses before. They're very common at weddings. So 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So these verses then form a really solid foundation, right? And an explanation of the type of love um, that's described in chapter 13 throughout the whole chapter. So this is the love of the more excellent way, right? If you want to examine yourself or your actions to see if you're walking in this more excellent way, then you can ask yourself, am I being patient and kind? Am I being envious or boastful or proud right? or arrogant or rude? Am I insisting on my own way um, or being irritable and resentful? Am I rejoicing in the truth or in wrongdoing? Right. Am I bearing all things? Am I believing the best about people and situations? Am I hoping in all things, having hope in God and hope in um, what God has said in all things? Right. Is this is this how I'm acting? Is this is this love? Am I acting in love? And these are the descriptors of love found in this chapter. So there's a statement there for just about every scenario in your life. The application will look a little bit different um, to different people um, and the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to your heart about specific situations in your life where he wants you to show more of this agape love, right? To walk in the more excellent way. Um, We can't do this in our own strength, right? That's just a reality. We can't do that ourselves. Um, Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, um, then we can do it. It's through his empowerment. He won't ask us to do something and then leave us helpless to do it, right? And this is something we know about God, um, is that he never, who who he calls, he equips. And what he calls us to do, he'll equip us to do. So it's very easy to accept these verses as broad generalisations, right? But I think um, it can be more difficult to think about them in your everyday life. Um, Just to give you an idea of the type of ways that they could apply, um, perhaps at home, you're really easily frustrated when things go wrong right? And you need to show the love of God by being more patient, right? Perhaps at work you disagree with the way something's done with your boss, right? Maybe. Are you insisting on your own way um, or do you need to be more loving through allowing differences of opinion? Um, do you automatically assume the worst motives for others when something goes wrong? Do you automatically ascribe bad motives to other people, Right? Perhaps you need to show this godly love through believing the best in others, right? What about rejoicing and wrongdoing? When you see your enemies going wrong, the people who have hurt you in the past, maybe people who you have real issues with, right? But when you see them going wrong or messing up, right, are you glad? Do you smirk to yourself thinking, ha ha, they've, they've, the, they've gone off the deep end, they've done something wrong, I've caught them, right? Do you smirk or do you sincerely hope that they're drawn to repentance, they're able to move on from their error and you forgive them, right? Is that, is that how you need to show your love, maybe? All of these things are a part of walking the more excellent way, right? That's Paul said, I will show you still a more excellent way. So remember that you can have every spiritual gifting. You can speak in tongues. You can move mountains with your faith, right? And you can prophesy. But if you don't have this agape love, both as a motive for using the gifts of the spirit and also as your motivation in everything you do, ultimately your use of the spiritual gifts means nothing, right? If God is love, then everything he does flows from his amazing love, right? He is love. Everything that comes from God is from a motive of love, right? Part of being more Christ-like then um, is that ensuring that we're walking in love in everything that we do. Um, this godly love flows from every action we take and every word we speak, just as it does from God. Um, and why should we do this? Because God loved us, right? God loved us even whilst we were still sinners. Um, 1 John 4 verse 19, I can put my water bottle down. Um, 1 John 4 verse 19 um, points out that we love God because he first loved us, right? Um, and verse 20 then goes on to say that if we say we love God but we hate our neighbor, then we're liars. If we have hate in our heart towards somebody but we say we love God, then we don't really love God, right? That's a really big statement. Um, how could we love, but, but when we think about that, we see kind of where John's coming from there, right? How could we love God, but hate the people that God sent his son to die for? And God loved us while we were sinners. So even if, these, even if people that you have disagreements with are sinning, even if they're far from God, even if, they're not, even if they don't believe, right? God still sent his son to die for them, and he still loves them unconditionally, right? So how could we hate these people? We were once in their position, we were once enemies of God, but he loved us. Right? He still, in his love, sent his son to die for us. Right? And we, we, should, we should pay that forward. We should extend that love to others in the same way that God loved us while we were enemies, while we were, while we were still sinners. We should love others even when, they, even when they mock us, they hate us, or they, they, they get you in trouble unnecessarily. They do all of these things. You, we should still love them. Right. John rounds off that chapter then um, with um, this verse. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's the more excellent way, right? right? The m- more excellent even than using the gifts of the spirit, which are, of course, the pretty excellent themselves, right? <laughs> or very excellent themselves. Um, so as we get towards the end of chapter 13, First Corinthians, um, we reach the final segment on love and um, of the gifts of the spirit. Um, so let's read from verse eight one Corinthians 13, verse eight through to verse 13. Um, Love never ends. Great starting point. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. So the Apostle Paul here then circles back to the gifts of the Spirit. So we've gone from the beginning where he says, if you have these gifts and your motivation isn't love, then it means nothing. We've then gone into, what is this love? And now we're coming into the end of this chapter. Um, And he circles back to the gifts of the Spirit again. And he relates them to love again. So we um, we see him name some of the gifts of the Spirit. Right, He says, prophecy, tongues, knowledge, they'll pass away. That's what he says. Um, He points out then that these things are temporary. They come, they go, as the Holy Spirit sees fit to distribute them. Um, And presumably in heaven, um, we will have no need for the gifts of the spirit. Right. So we won't have them. But love is a different story. Right. Love is more than a gift. Love is a virtue. Right. I've seen it put this way. Gifts are transient. Virtues are eternal. Um, And I think it's worth noting here um, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is specifically addressing the church in Corinth, in Corinth. so hence the name Corinthians, um, with this letter he's addressing them. And the church in Corinth was quite well known for putting a very heavy emphasis on getting and using the gifts of the Spirit. And they're especially concerned with the gift of tongues. They, um, they, were, they kind of put a really heavy emphasis on it. Um, and so when you understand that, that kind of context of who Paul's writing to, you can kind of see what he's trying to say here. Um, he's saying it's good that you desire these things, but I'm going to show you a more excellent way. So he, he, he kind of um, contrasts this temporary nature of the gifts with the eternal nature of virtues like love. And he also, also says hope and faith. Um, so this was written to help the Corinthians to see that although they had found something fantastic, they were missing out on a more excellent way of living, a necessity of being a follower of Christ. And that way is love. So Paul then explains that right now um, we prophesy and we know things in part. Right, we partly know them. We don't have full spiritual clarity on things. We, we kind of we know things. We have knowledge in part. We prophesy in part, but we don't understand quite the full picture. In the same way that God in the same way that God does. But in heaven we will see and we will know spiritual things with clarity. We will, we will understand. We'll know these things, and we'll have no need for these things which we currently do in order to help us see. Um, And the gifts will pass away when the perfect replaces the imperfect. That's kind of what he says in those verses. So finally, then the chapter comes to a close um, by reiterating that faith, hope and love are eternal and will not pass away. And that of these three virtues, faith, hope and love, love is the greatest. So let's start to bring in tonight's message to a bit of a close then. So we see several reasons laid out in this chapter um, why the way of agape love um, is the more excellent way. He says, I will show you a more excellent way, right? And this is the way, the, the way of agape love, godly, unconditional, self-giving love. It should underpin our use of the gifts of the spirit, right? It should underpin our every action, um, and it will last forever. It will never pass away. So desire the gifts, desire the gifts. That's it. He says um, to earnestly seek the gifts of the spirit in chapters 12 and 14. Um, he says, earnestly seek the gifts of the spirit. That's a command, right? Um, but don't allow the pursuit of them to drive you. Don't allow them to be your primary motivator. Don't, don't allow them to consume you. Rather, allow love to consume you. Allow love to be your primary motivator. Don't make them your highest goal. Make the love of the Lord and of your neighbor your highest goal. Jesus says that these fulfill the requirements of the law. He's, when Jesus was asked, I, can't, I haven't got a verse reference for this one. When he was asked... Um, you know what's the greatest commandment he said you shall love the lord your god with all of your heart and then the second greatest is love your neighbor as yourself and these fulfill the law and the prophets he said so the old testament um the requirements of the law um love fulfills the requirements of the law therefore this agape love fulfills the requirements of the law Um, and it should drive our actions our words our desires So if that seems a little bit overwhelming to you, right, if you're now thinking about those areas where you're like, oh, I'm I'm not seeing love as the primary motive here. Right. Then I have really good news for you. Right. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives as well as giving his gifts. Right. You know, he he gives us these gifts and he grows his fruit within our lives as we surrender and submit to him. Um, And one aspect of this fruit is love. And the fruit of the spirit develops within every believer. Right. As we submit to him, the fruit of the spirit grows within each of us and um you know and it grows with like it's not like you get some of it sometimes and like in the same way that the gifts are given um at specific times and then kind of we get different ones for different purposes as the spirit sees fit, but rather these are these are like virtues that these um the fruit of the spirit. So love is one of these. So it grows in the life of every believer. Um, so let's allow him to work on our hearts and in our lives as he pleases so if you're not seeing um this fruit this aspect of the fruit of the spirit this love um you just have to ask the holy spirit to grow his fruit in your life um, and then make a commitment to submit to his will in every area of your life right and you will see the fruit of the spirit grow in your life and that's love right and also joy and peace and patience and all of these good things but love is listed as the first one so You'll see that develop in your life, a love for God, a love for your um, other, for your neighbour, your fellow humans. Um, And yeah, and so we will see that as we submit to the spirit. So we've seen tonight that we're called to seek to walk in the way of love, right? A a more excellent way uh, above even the wonderful gifts of the spirit. So we should earnestly desire and seek the gifts of the Spirit, um, but we should make sure we're both desiring and using them for the right reason, right? And that reason is love. The gifts of the Spirit are transient. They come and they go in the life of a believer as the Holy Spirit sees fit to give them, Um, and they will eventually pass away when we go to heaven. Um, But the more excellent way, the way of agape love, can be manifest in the lives of every believer, Um, at all times if we're yielded to the spirit and allow his fruit to grow within us right this love along with the faith and the hope um, that was mentioned um, is eternal it lasts forever and it will continue through all eternity which is a really 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 long time if you don't know Um, how could love pass away when we're in the eternal presence of love himself right and I, I, i love that how could love possibly pass away when we're in the eternal presence of love himself Wow. Like when we, God himself is love, according to First John. And if that's the case, love can't possibly pass away if God is love and God, we know God is eternal. Right. So God is love and walking in love should come naturally to us as we submit to the Holy Spirit um, and allow him to daily transform us more and more into the likeness of Christ. So this week and then every week, choose to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and to cause you to walk in the way of love, the more excellent way okay so let's close in prayer so bow your head close your eyes do whatever you want to do to get into an attitude of prayer so father god we thank you um, for the description of love that we find in these verses we thank you um, that that there is a more excellent way that we can walk in at all times holy spirit we just ask now that you would just cause love to be the primary motivator um, in each of our lives in every circumstance holy spirit we pray you just grow your fruit within us Um, that love and as well as all the other aspects of your fruit we pray that would just develop in us and drive us and motivate us Um, we pray that you would just help us to see any areas in our life where we're not using love as a primary motivator and we pray that you would give us your gifts and and that we would use them um, with love as a primary motivator thank you holy spirit for your gifts for your wonderful gifts for your grace the things we don't deserve but you give anyway you give so freely holy spirit thank you So, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would help us to do that this week and then every week forever. Um, In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so that brings us to a close tonight. Um, So thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Have a good night and um, have a good week as well. All right.